if you have not heard, there was a shooting early this morning at uh, YWAM Training Center up in Arvada. Someone burst into the uh, dormitory about 1230. Uh, four people were hit. Two have died. One is in critical. Uh, and the gunman has escaped. They do not know uh, where uh, um, the shooter is. Um, so, um, as you are turning to 1 Corinthians 13, um, we will lift that situation up in prayer uh, for God's justice first and foremost. Um, and yet the peace that surpasses all understanding in a massive way. Father, help us. Help us to hear. Father, help us to see. Father, when I think of this week in Omaha, a young man so troubled, took his own life and that of eight other people out of uh, anger and uh, loneliness. And Father, I think about the shooting just this early morning in Arvada. Uh, young people in their late, eight, late teens and early 20s. And Father, uh, wanting to do Your work. And Father, as we look around our world and we think about this time of the season when there should be great rejoicing. And yet, Father, this sorrow, this heartache. Father, we need your help desperately. Father, this world needs you desperately. Father, I pray that uh, as we who are called by your name will take every precious moment and redeem it, buy it back to your glory and praise. As I read this text on love, Father, feel so inadequate and feel so overwhelmed by it and then understand that I am in the season that this country remembers your love, the love that overwhelms. Father, we are to run a race. Father, may we run it in such a way as to win. Not to place, Lord, but to win. And Father, the key is that which will never fail. Love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we are looking at verses 8 through 13. Let's read this and then jump right smack in the middle of it. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecies, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. We know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. 
When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Okay, the Apostle Paul is giving us a contrast. He's giving us a contrast between spiritual gifts and love. Uh, one of the things that I think happens here occasionally, we'll, we'll look at prophecy, tongues, and knowledge, and we think it's those three. He's basically laying out the three predominant spiritual gifts, but he's basically saying the spiritual gifts at some point will be gone. There will be no need for it. And, and, and when I think about this, I, I, I look around and I listen and I watch and I hear and I say, you know what? Spiritual gifts, don't, I don't want to ever downplay them. They are essential. That is, I, I don't want you to walk away saying, well, that's not that big a deal. But I, I want you to think about love because it says love never fails. And the term literally means does not fall into decay. It's, it's spoken of the petals of a flower when they fall off the flower and the, fall, the flower falls down on the ground and then it decays. And it's used, it says, that love can't do that. Love will never fall into decay. I like that. I like that. But he's made the statement here that prophecy and knowledge are still just partial. They're just partial. We don't have all knowledge. We don't have all prophecy. He says, tongues will cease. See, tongues are going to stop. Okay? Of their own, they will stop. And tongues is not hard to see why it would stop. It was revelatory. It was the revealing of God. But it was also for confirming of the person who was speaking. But it was also speaking of judgment. And you've got to ask yourself, on these spiritual gifts, what do I need it for? What do I have that purpose for? But he says, understand that prophecy and knowledge are just partial. Now, he, Peter tells us we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. We've got it. It's a package deal. But he says, when this perfect comes, this perfect thing, prophecy and knowledge will stop. They will cease. The perfect is the outside force that will stop them. Okay, now it's fascinating in this text, just cursory reading says that prophecy and knowledge will continue after tongues have stopped. I mean, that's the way it's written. So there was a cessation of tongues. We knew that. It's going to happen. I mean, it's just written that way. Verse 12 says, but we see in a mirror dimly. Okay, and this perfect thing, we will be face to face. This perfect thing, we will know as we are known. Okay, so in this perfectness, when this thing, whatever this is, we won't need gifts anymore. It's a fascinating concept. Whatever the perfect thing is, it is something that is really, really perfect. It is no longer needed of anything partial. But like he says, right now we see dimly in a mirror. 
Okay, the context of that text is the prophecy knowledge. Prophecy is dimly. Knowledge is dimly. All right, and and you know what's fascinating about this text? I was doing some of the historical background on the city of Corinth. I did it year, years ago. <laughs> they had a big industry in Corinth, huge industry in Corinth. You know what it was? They made mirrors. Okay, but it ain't the mirrors that you think of. They would take a piece of metal and they'd beat it as smooth as they could and then they would buff it. They would shine that thing. And they could do it with like a tin mixture. They could do it with bronze was the most popular. And depending on how much money you spent would be the degree of how flat it would be and how well it would be polished. Okay? Now, he uses this illustration. This is fascinating to me because he says, we can perceive what God is doing. But let's be realistic. Sometimes it's dim, isn't it? Sometimes it's a little bit on the vague side. You know, sometimes it even gets a little tarnished, doesn't it? If you take a piece of brass and you shine it up as shiny as you can get it, you can see pretty good on it. But if you put your thumb on it, okay, which we all do with glass, okay, if you have a mirror in your home, you always have handprints on it or nose prints or something, okay, if you leave your thumb on that, what happens to it? It'll tarnish. That's a fascinating text because I want you to think about something. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Here he's contrasting. Okay, now this text, he's contrasting between the old covenant of the law of God given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And he's contrasting the new, that the new covenant that has come under the grace and faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, And he's talking about the veil that was over Moses' head, all right, that would freak out the, the Israelites. He goes spend time with God, he'd come out and just be glowing. Okay? And, 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 and everybody was like, oh my God, look at Moses is glowing and there's this spooky stuff going on here. And he would put a veil over it, but what would happen to the glow? It'd fade away. Why? Because he was out of the presence of God. All right? Now, think about this. When you think about Peter. When Peter was next, shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, he's ready. Bring it home. Why? Because he raised me from the dead. <laughs> think about it. You have a guards come up to, to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out his little buck knife and does what? Swings at Malchus's head. Cuts his ear off. Why? He's ready to wade right into all of this and just kick butt and take names. Why? I'm with God. We're ready. Four hours later, Jesus is being marched across between Caiaphas and Annas' house. A little girl comes up to him and says, weren't you with the Galilean? What was Peter's response? No, I wasn't with him. I don't know what you're talking about. And he even took an oath, swore he wasn't. Why? Because he wasn't, he wasn't with him. 
right? Then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter and he walks right into the Sanhedrin, the people who arrested and crucified Christ, and he says, Oh, you men of Israel who murdered Messiah. What the heck just happened? Easy. Look what he says here. When a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Okay, that's what he says in verse 16. But now the Lord is spirit and the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. I have freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. Absolute freedom. Look what he says next. But we all, now he's speaking to Christians here. We all with unveiled face. What does he say next? Beholding as in a mirror. There's that dim again. Now listen, when you look at this nice piece of metal that's all shined up, I can see it. You may be able to see the color of the hair. You may even be able to see the color of the eyes. But it ain't the whole picture. You know, a good illustration, you know, I can look at that thing right there and I see me pretty good, right? But you know what I can see in that mirror right there? There ain't no people. I look in that mirror right there and I don't see no people. The only person I see is me. You know what it's telling me? I don't have the big picture. I could back away and start going like this and move it around a little bit and I can see it. All right, it's, it's like on your car. Okay, anybody here have a blind spot? Okay, that's why God created horns. <laughs> Why? Because you got a blind spot and I need to blow the horn. That's the terminology the Apostle Paul has given us. We see vaguely, it's dim. It's dim. And I don't get the whole picture. I don't get the whole picture. So when I think about prophecy, when I think about knowledge, I think about if you have all that God has in prophecy in the scripture and you have all the knowledge that he has in the scripture, you still only have partial. Partial. Okay? So I know in part. He says, but you know what? If that part, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the what? Same image. What's the image he's talking about? Christ. Christ. So when you think about Moses, he gives you a contrast. He talks about Moses. He says Moses would go and be in the presence of God and it would come down and he would be shining in that reflection He says, but what would happen? It would pass. He says, you now under the new, you are in the presence of God. And it should be getting brighter and brighter. But it's still partial. It's still dim. It still at times has tarnish on it. It's a little distorted. Sometimes it doesn't look as good. It reveals the image, but it's vague. It's just sort of, what is that? Okay? It's limited. It's limited. Listen, I can give you a good illustration of it. 
People ask me, what do I think about heaven and where is it? Well, heaven, where it is, is easy. It's up. Everybody goes up to heaven. So it's up. That's easy. All right. Well, what's heaven like? You know, I've seen this streets of gold and the fruits and all the rest of it. Um, here's the one that messes with me. Absence of sin. Okay, theologically, I can explain that to you. It's absence of sin. But do you know that everything that I know and everything that I have ever experienced is touched by sin? Everything. I have absolutely no part of me or no part of my thinking or my attitude or my actions or the person that I am who have not, has not been touched by sin. So when I say heaven is the absence of sin, I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that is. I don't understand it because everything that I have ever endured or experienced has been touched by sin. Everything. I don't understand that. But I know that there's no sin in heaven. I mean, it, this presence of God's glory is so bright, there's no shadows. I don't understand that. Everything I see around here, the brighter it gets, the more shadows there are. But we all get cool band sunglasses when we get to heaven. So we don't have to be all sitting around going, is that him? See? It's been touched by sin. Okay? So when it comes to the terms of our preaching, the terms of our knowledge, the terms of our teaching, do you know what? There's a problem with it. It's still touched by sin. Okay? Back to your text in chapter 13. We know in part, we prophesy in part, verse 9. But he says that prophecy, basically what he's saying, spiritual gifts are going to be done away with. Okay? And yet, he's got a, a, a but in here. And I, I, it's a big but. That don't sound right, does it? Anyway. It's a huge... Well, that don't work either. Okay? There is coming a time, there is coming a point, there's coming a day... When I will see without the mirror, I won't have the vagueness. I won't have the tarnish. He says here, verse 12, it'll be face to face. He says that there will be a fullness of knowledge there in such a way that I will know as I have been known. You get that? I don't get that. Imagine a day when we will know everything and see everything the way it really is. I can't get my head around that one. Okay? I don't grasp that completely. I mean, I can tell you what it says, I don't know what it means. I will know as I've been known. Everything. Okay? That's only going to happen when the perfect comes. Okay, cool. Hallelujah. 
Okay, my big question next is, when is that? When is that? Um, I went through, and I, I kind of give you some of the things. Part of these are, are where I have been in my walk with Christ. Part of it is in other people, uh, scholars. I'm not, I'm not talking about clowns. Uh, I'm talking about people, men and women of God, who have given themselves to the Scriptures. And when is this? What This thing, this perfect, you know, I can tell you that to teleos, to teleon, to teleo. Feel better now? Okay, why? One is masculine, one is gender, it's neutered, and one is feminine. Okay, so which, which, which one is it? Well, is it mature? Is it perfect? Is it complete? Uh huh. <laughs> it is. Okay. Well, what is the text telling me? We know in part, we prophesy in part, but that verse 10 says, when the perfect comes, the partial's done away with. So he's telling me that spiritual gifts are partial. They're not there completely. You, you just don't. Okay. But what, well, when does the perfect come? Cause that ought to be a blast. Okay. First, one that most a lot of people believe uh and i'm talking about i'm not talking about clowns uh bb warfield believed this text okay that the perfect was the completion of the scriptures when the scriptures were done okay that was the perfect about 96 a.d uh very popular i actually had this early in my life that yeah that's that's what it was okay um Here's the reasoning behind it. The fullness of God revealing himself towards mankind. Okay. Yeah, all right, all right. All right. If this perfect is the scriptures, um, it has some issues, right? First thing, I don't think the Corinthians would have thought of that. one of the things that you and I have to understand about the New Testament is that these are letters written to people, a congregation or grouping for a reason and he's not going to put something in there he's trying to articulate something to the Corinthians he's not going to put something in there that they don't get okay Um, this group needed to get this message and he's not going to cloak the message so we're kind of reading people's mail all right so if he puts it in here the perfect will come then you have to ask yourself what would the corinthians thought the perfect was well jesus said in matthew chapter 5 verse 48 be perfect as your father in heaven is Perfect. Same word. Perfect. Okay, so it's a, the, for a Corinthian, perfection would be the ultimate standard of absolute holiness. That was what, what is desired. Um, I, I don't think that they, I, I know that the Corinthians didn't believe that it was the completion of the New Testament. <laughs> 
Well, when we get done with the Bible, we'll have the complete done. Um, it's like Charles Spurgeon said, the Old Testament is the most eloquent mansion that you could ever see in, in beauty and in detail beyond any understanding of human effort. And the New Testament turns all the lights on so you can see the detail. I like that. All right. But is it the perfect? Okay. Here's another problem. Prophecy and knowledge stop when the perfect comes. Um, there will be, when this perfect comes, there will be no proclaiming of the scriptures. There'll be no drawing knowledge out of the scriptures. That's what he says here. Well, that don't sound right. Um, listen, even when Paul was writing the scriptures, all right, the letters that you call Corinthians and Ephesians and Galatians, what was he doing? Preaching the scriptures. If you go look at um, the first, the oldest two letters of the New Testament that we have are first and second Thessalonians. They're the oldest. Okay. What scripture would he have taught to deal with those texts that he was dealing with? Well, he was dealing with the second coming of Christ. Let me tell you something. The Olivet Discourse that you read in 24 and 25 of Matthew hasn't been written yet. Revelations has not been written yet. So what text is Paul using to describe the second coming of Christ? Daniel. What else could he have been teaching? He wasn't there long enough. So, I mean, he didn't just stand there. I mean, there's times that he would preach new revelation, first time revealed. But most of the times, if you read it, what were we doing? What were the guys doing? When Stephen preached before the Sanhedrin, what did he preach? Genesis, Joel, (laughs) a few other odds and ends. Well, he was just bringing to bear, here's what the scriptures say. So... In this church age, I see the proclaiming, the standing before and speaking forth scripture. Sometimes it was first time revelation. Sometimes it was repeating of the revelation. If the perfect thing is the scripture and prophecy and knowledge stop, that'd be a little tough for the early church to grasp. And puts me out of a job. Peter quotes Paul. Paul quotes Jesus. Stephen quotes great big old volumes of Scripture. And you know what's amazing about them? They were already proclaiming what had been written. The other thing is, Joel 2, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. In the kingdom... It says, your young men shall prophesy. Your young ladies, your daughters will prophesy. Now, the kingdom spoken of in Joel 2 is the millennial kingdom, a thousand-year literal kingdom. And what's going on in the thousand-year literal kingdom? Preaching. Teaching. Who? Everybody. That thousand-year kingdom, man, we are going to have a bumper crop of teachers and preachers. And then you've got another little issue. Revelations 11. 
Two witnesses in Jerusalem. And what are they doing? Preaching. <laughs> That's the tribulation. So now I've got the tribulation they're preaching. The millennial kingdom they're preaching. Church age they're preaching. How will they hear? Without preaching. Uh, literally, how will they come to faith without somebody giving a speech on Jesus Christ? So I've got the church age. I got tribulation preaching. I got the millennial kingdom preaching. Okay, if it's the canonization of scripture, then you're telling me it all stopped and then it's going to start in the tribulation and then it stops and then it starts in the millennial kingdom and then it stops. There's a problem with that. That's not what the verb says. The verb says it stops. It is absolute and it's finished. Okay, here's the other thing that I have a problem with that the perfect is the scriptures. What do you do with face to face? Picture Bibles. <laughs> That's what it is. I got a picture of Jesus. It's face to face. No. What do you do with face to face? First Peter chapter one, verse eight says, whom you have not seen yet you love and believe. See, having a Bible doesn't mean I've seen face to face. And I mean, even if you have the Bible and you memorize it from start to finish and the maps, do you know as you are known? No. Okay, so the canonization of Scripture don't fit because... What meaning to the Corinthians would that have? None. The perfect ends prophecy and knowledge or spiritual gifts. And you got to struggle with know as you are known and face to face. And you can have scripture and you don't have any of those. All right. So the first one, I kind of threw that in the way. The second idea of the perfect is what people believe is the rapture of the church this is the most common and it has been the longest okay the the oldest teaching um but if you have the rapture of the church you still have what do you do with the preaching in the millennial kingdom and what do you do with the preaching during the tribulation okay um they cease at the rapture and then three and a half years later it starts again. See what I mean? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to look at it and say, boom, the church is gone and boom, now we have, you know, stop for... A year. That don't work. Uh, that don't work. Uh, and then, like I said, you still have that thousand-year kingdom. Now, you know, there's people who say, well, but that's not a literal kingdom. Well, okay, if you don't believe that, I believe it's a literal kingdom. Uh, and the reason is is that I started in Genesis 1-1, and I go all the way through and say it's all literal. Uh, that way I don't get confused whether I'm supposed to be literal or not. 
Um, so, um, you know, when it says that the uh, the infant will play outside the cobra's den and the lion will eat um, grain like an oxen, um, I believe that's literal. Um, and if you don't want to believe that, that's that's up to you. Um, but I'm I'm just going to go with literal. Uh, so I don't believe it's the rapture of the church. Okay, is the perfect. The newest one came out in the, I think it was like the 60s, the 1960s, is the maturing of the church. Okay, the perfect, this perfect thing is the maturing of the church. Uh, and they base that on um, what they mean by maturing. They take the word teleon, teleos, and, and, and they mean that they translate it mature versus perfect or complete or total. Uh, and what they say is that when everybody is in the body of Christ, all the saved people who are going to be saved uh, are in the body of Christ, um, that's what the church is supposed to be, and, and that, that is the perfect. Um, <clears throat> well, when the church has all the people in it that it's supposed to have, then what are we supposed to do? <laughs> I mean... I think we have a purpose here, and if we've got everybody in who's getting in, what what are we going to do? Um, the other problem that you have with that is the verb, neuter, feminine, masculine. Um, here in this text in chapter 13, it's neutered. Okay, uh, it doesn't have a male or female agenda to it. If you go to the Olivet Discourse or anytime you see Paul talking about the second coming of Christ and he talks about Jesus Christ in the perfect, it is always masculine. Um, so the verb just doesn't work. Okay, and, um, uh, and again, if it's getting everybody into the building or into the group, we've got everybody saved who's going to get saved, then you got to start it and stop it again. And that don't work. And I want to give you some text to think about. I, I thought about going into Micah and Jeremiah and Habakkuk and Ezekiel, and I said, you know, uh, we'll be here for a while. I'm looking at what is the perfect. When the perfect comes, spiritual gifts are no longer needed. And the only thing that will be there is love. Love. Okay? So what is it? And I thought <clears throat> that I would go to um, Isaiah. And I would start with chapter 2. Okay, now you have to understand Isaiah. Do not eat spicy food, sleep, and then write scripture. Um, they, they, they tell me that there are keys to Isaiah. Uh, I have a, met a lot of wonderful men, and they said, and once you have the keys to Isaiah, uh, then it folds unfolds very quickly. Uh, so I say, well, what are the keys to Isaiah? And you'll find them. So what I'm figuring is, is that there are keys to Isaiah, and we've lost them. <laughs> so, But here's one of the things I know about Isaiah. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. 
there's what is called a near-far prophecies, okay, predictions, all right? It will be fulfilled in a small measure to bring forth what is coming in the future. And the context bears witness to it. All right, chapter 2, verse 2. Now it will come about that in the last days. Okay, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Okay, I can tell you emphatically that has not happened yet. <laughs> all right, there's no worries about it. All right. I believe we're in the last days, but I believe the last days started at the epiphany. I like that. I just seen that when we were singing at the incarnation that began the last days. All right. But here's here's what it says. As many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. We that he what? will teach us concerning his ways and we'll walk in his path for the law will go forth from Zion. You know what he's saying there, right? Israel, preach and I will teach. Is that happening? No. So what is he talking about here? Easy. Millennial kingdom. Uh, that's all. Yeah, you're, getting, you're saying it at the millennial? Yeah, go to chapter 11. Verse 9. You know what? I'll just quickly touch on a few things like so you understand that well, I believe this is the millennial kingdom. Here's what it says. Then a shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, and a branch of its roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge what his eyes will see. Now, that's messianic. There ain't no doubt in my mind that that's messianic. That's chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. But with his, with righteousness, he will judge the poor. He will decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. Okay, look at verse 6. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. I'm pretty sure that ain't happening right now. The wolf wants to dwell with the lamb, but I'm pretty sure that it hasn't happened yet. Okay, the leopard will lie down with the young goat. I'm sure that the leopard wants to lie down with the young goat. The young goat don't want no part of that. The calf and the young lion and the fatling will all be together. The little boy will lead them. Also, the cow and the bear will graze and young. So you see, I'm pretty convinced that this ain't happening. Okay, this has not happened. We're all convinced of that? All right. The nursing child will play in the hole of the cobra. The weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. Okay? I can tell you what this is. It's a thousand-year kingdom. Did you know that there's survivors who come out of the Great Tribulation? Did you know that? There are people who make it. Four. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. We need to delete that. There things that no. There will be survivors. There will be an earthly kingdom. Do you know that there will be people who have mortal bodies, but will be able to live for a thousand years? Why? Because sin will be put in its place. Okay? It is sin that causes the animals not to play with us. Okay? It will be dealt with. It'll be dealt with. Okay? Look what verse 9 says. They will not hurt or destroy. In all of my holy mountain, for the earth will be what? 
Uh-oh. Full of knowledge. But remember, when the perfect comes, we won't have no knowledge. Uh-oh. Hmm. Go to chapter 12, verse 3. 4. 3 and 4. Therefore, you will joyously draw from the springs of what? Salvation. How are people saved? It has never changed people. This kingdom will have what? Salvation going for it. And in that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember his name is exalted, praise the Lord in song, he has done excellent things. You see what he just said there, right? There's preaching going on. Listen, um, people get saved from hearing a message. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 17 and 18. Is it not yet just a little while before Lebanon will be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field will be considered as a forest? And on that day, the death will what? Hear the words of the book. What's that? Preaching. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Uh, You see it also uh, in chapter 30, verse 20, 21. You see it also in chapter 32. I'm going to go to that one. 32, verse 3. The eyes of those who see will not be blinded, and the ears of those who will hear will what? Listen, and the mind of the hasty will discern truth, and the tongues of the stammers will be hastened to speak clearly. Do you see what these all are? Remember Joel 2 says the world will be filled with preaching, knowledge. Okay? So, it is not the canonization of Scripture. It is not the maturity of the church. It is not the rapture of the church, nor is it any form of the three. Um, some try to <laughs> blend the canonization, maturing, and, and, and all the rest of it. Okay? So what is the perfect? Because when the perfect comes, it will be face to face. When the perfect comes, there will no longer be any need for spiritual gifts. Okay? But the millennial kingdom, listen, the millennial kingdom sounds like a, a, a good place. But here's what you think about when you see the millennial kingdom. Is that the perfect? No, it's a reflection of what started this thing, the Garden of Eden, basically, if you really wanted to be honest with it. So the perfect... What is it? Okay, the word to teleos, and I'm just going to give you this and we'll pick it up next week. But I just want you to think about this. The word to teleon is teltelestai. Okay? Is a phrase that you have all heard. Maybe not that way. It is finished. Teltelestai. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Jesus on the cross, 
dying, giving up his spirit, what was lacking in salvation? Nothing. Nothing. It is finished. Done. Okay? Telestai is a form of the word teleon. Okay? People say, well, it means mature, or it can mean perfect, or it can mean complete. You know what it means? Mature, perfect, and complete. Why? Think about the cross. What was lacking? Nothing. Okay? What is lacking when you look at the millennial kingdom? You have a season where Satan is released to tempt one more time. Is it perfect? Nope. So what is the perfect? We'll pick it up next week and I'll give you the scripture to validate it. But it is the eternal state of the new heaven and the new earth. Okay. When that happens, it is then face to face. When that happens, I will know as I am known. Anything out of that doesn't fit it. You can't force it in it. I will no longer have to have preaching. I will no longer have to. Do you realize none of the spiritual gifts will be necessary? And the only thing that will remain is love. Love. That's all. That's all that's left. Okay? And I'll I'll defend that stance biblically. I mean, I think I already just did. I mean, face to face and know as I am known. Um, it ain't even going to happen in the millennial kingdom. And I'm ready for the millennial kingdom. I think that's going to be a blast. I mean, let's go play with the cobras. <laughs> Watch me freak out this baby goat. <laughs> go play with the mountain lion. You hear kitty, kitty, kitty. Okay. But he's still trying to get at I mean, that's an awesome thing. I like that. The people of the world will be completely enmeshed in preaching and knowledge. Our daughters will be prophesying. Our sons will be prophesying. The nation of Israel will be proclaiming God in praise and exaltation from Zion. Jerusalem will be flooded with the glory of God and the person of Jesus Christ on the throne of David. It is going to rock the universe and it ain't the perfect You have people who will survive three and a half years of great tribulation, seven years of Jacob's travail. And they will come into the kingdom praising God, praising Jesus Christ. And then he will make a new heaven and a new earth. And now I have the mature, the perfect, the complete, the lacking nothing. And it gives a whole new meaning to it is finished. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love that you have poured upon us in such a way now that um, we are sealed. We are protected in every aspect. And yet, Father, it isn't the perfect. Father, you 
have watched the days. You know our heartbeats. You know our pulse. You know the minute you knitted us in the womb, and you know the moment we will stand before you. Lord Jesus, and that yet is not perfection. Perfection is when we see you face to face. Father, help us. Help us to grasp that. Help us to lean upon that. Help us as we look at this season of giving that what lays before your children. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much that we with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror, are being transformed from glory to glory. To your praise, to your glory. Amen.